to another episode of Together We Can, the podcast where we come together to explore topics of interest to support students and families. I'm your host, Wendy Johnson, superintendent of this fabulous school district. Um, Today we're talking about the role of an instructional coach. We kind of know what teachers are, we know what principals are, but an instructional coach is a relatively new position um, in the world of education. Thanks to grant funds, we have seven instructional coaches supporting teachers and often helping administrators this year. Our coaches play an essential role supporting our teachers, especially our new teachers, which is we've seen an increase over the last couple of years, and non-traditionally certified new teachers. So these fabulous people ensure we have consistent instructional practices and many other things across our district. To talk a little bit more about the role, the job, what what the instructional coach does. I'm joined by instructional coaches Deb Bradburn and Laura Jenkins, as well as Kevin Gifford, who is our, we call him our director of CIA. It sounds really interesting. CIA stands for Curriculum Instruction and Assessment, and Kevin coordinates the work of our coaches. So thank you guys for for being here. And I thought we'd start by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how long you've been teaching and instructional coaching, you know, in this world of education. So Laura, would you like to start us out? Sure. So I'm Laura Jenkins. I've been in the district for, I think this is my 26th year, something like that. I oh, lose track. thank you. Um, all in CUNA, right? Yes, all in CUNA. Thank you. Yeah. Wink. And we're fortunate <laughs> to have you. Um, so I've taught third grade, and I was an intervention teacher for um, many years, and then was lucky enough to be hired as an instructional coach. Um, and I've been here since the beginning of instructional coaches and have really enjoyed this position. I feel like it's um, the sweet spot where I still get to um, do a lot of instructional focus areas with curriculum and things like that. And I get to the honor of working with our teachers and supporting principals and then still um, have fun and enjoying the relationships mm-hmm. with students. Yeah. Thank you. How about you, Deb? Um, I'm Deb Bradburn, and I get to serve teachers at CUNA High School and Swan Falls High School. Started my career in 1992 and have been able to uh, be in several school districts, um, the longest here at CUNA. Yay, thank you, Deb. Where it's just been a joy to to grow and to develop and to be able to support teachers uh, in this journey that has changed so much, that's, that's evolved and continues to evolve, and the needs of our students are so great. Um, and with not a lot of teachers out in the field anymore. I, th- I just really feel like this role is vital, and I'm just so blessed that I have the opportunity to do what we get to do. Yeah. Thank you, Deb. How about you, CIA Director Gifford? <laughs> I like that title, too, I must admit. But uh, I'm Kevin Gifford. This is my 30th year in education. I started out as an elementary teacher. Uh, my first 11 years were in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, I taught uh, sixth and fifth grade there. And then we moved to Idaho, and I taught for another eight years in the West Ada District. Uh, but we lived in CUNA, and I actually served on the school board here in CUNA for a few years and uh, fell in love with the CUNA school district. So when I finished my master's degree in educational leadership and an opportunity came at Reed, I applied and was fortunate enough to be hired as the principal there. So I came to CUNA 11 years ago. And Laura was already serving as our instructional coach in at Reed, so I got to work with Laura 
in that capacity for those 10 years at Reed as principal, and now this year is my first year as the um, director of the CIA. <laughs> so I love living in CUNA. We chose this community to be our, our place to raise our yeah. family, which we've done. All of my kids have graduated from CUNA schools, and they're out in the world now. Yay. So. So something to celebrate for yes, sure. Yes, definitely. For your kids, for you, for the teachers that helped them get there. Yeah, yes. thank you. So um, before we we jump in, you know, it's a really interesting connection of people here with me today. You know, Kevin working with Laura, Laura working with Deb. I've had the great fortune, like you said, it's a blessing, truly a blessing to have worked with each of you in various capacities in our district. So I really appreciate you being here and sharing your expertise and, and putting up with me. I appreciate that. Um, and helping me learn to be a better instructional leader as well. You've all had that part of my own journey. So let's dig into your work supporting teachers. Would you give us a little bit, Kevin, of, a, of an overview of, of maybe the why and the what of instructional coaching in the CUNA School District? Yeah, in, in the CUNA School District, uh, we mainly follow the Jim Knight model of coaching. So it's a, it's a coaching model where our coaches are building-based for the most part, we have to share. We don't, yeah. you know, it's we have more buildings than we have coaches. So uh, both of both Laura and Deb um, support teachers in more than one building, but it's still building based because we want to be able to have an opportunity for our teachers and our instructional coaches to build those relationships of trust as they work together to help students be successful. Um, but essentially, our instructional coach role is to support our teachers in achieving the building objectives, the goals yeah. that have been set by the building. Um, so as buildings write their school improvement plan or mm -hmm. their goals for the year, then our instructional coaches come in behind that plan because the, the principals can lead that work, yeah. but they don't have the time and the um, availability to be in classrooms often enough to yeah. really help teachers to to make that happen well. Yeah. So our instructional coaches fill that role. They work with teachers. They, you know, they meet with principals to get plan and direction, but then they work with our teachers in a mentoring role. Um, so our, our principals essentially provide the leadership. They're the evaluators of our teachers. And our instructional coaches then, they come in and support the teachers and the building objectives. So they work with principals to get that direction, but then they work with the teachers to support them. So it's a unique relationship. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a parallel. Sometimes people uh, misunderstand and think that a coach is part of the administrative team, right. but they're really not. They work closely with the administration, but they're not a part of that administrative team. They don't have those responsibilities. Their goal is to support teachers in helping students to be successful in learning. So it's a unique position to be in. They're kind of a uh, in-between person. They have yeah. to support lots of different people yeah. in lots of different roles. Um, and so it takes also the right person with the right personality and ability to build relationships to be a successful mm -hmm. coach. Yeah. Thank you for giving us that overview, Kevin. I appreciate it. Um, and I would just add a little bit if you don't mind, because when I was working on my master's degree a long time ago, this was the area of focus for me. Um, I'd read something about, um, you know, even the best athletes, the best, um, you know, CEOs, whatever, they all have a mentor or coach or somebody to help them even get better. So this idea of an educator having a support um, to continually to improve Especially as you know, society's needs change um, in order to make those 
those leaps and those changes, it really intrigued me. And so um, I I was a part of making that happen here. So it's this topic is is a personal one for me, um, given the journey that I personally was on at that time. So um, knowing how we started and being very involved at that first step, Laura and Deb, you know, what does a typical day or a week look like for you as a, if there is such a thing, as an instructional coach, what does a typical day or a week look like? Before that, I, I just want to tag on to what you said, Wendy, if that's okay. Um, yeah. How grateful um, I think our district is, and, and we are, to to be able to make your vision come to fruition. Um, I never realized I'd have the opportunity to live my dream my entire career of being a coach, you know, an athletic coach, um, a teacher, and now an instructional coach is just been uh, the the best I could have ever imagined. And, you know, with that, a day, a typical day, I don't know if there is a typical day. <laughs> and that's what is so fun yeah, and, yeah. and so amazing about this, this job is um, we, we just have to be really perceptive to the needs, the critical needs, and be able to come in with a very calming demeanor. Um, after building a great amount of trust with teachers and direction from from our leadership and our principals um, to be able to just support, especially um, where each teacher is at. Um, and we, we serve multiple buildings, and so that's why it looks so different because our beginning teachers to the profession need a little bit more guidance and uh, more direct um, availability, especially initially in the school year. And some of our veteran teachers just want to work on little specific projects. Mm -hmm. But then we also offer professional development. And, um, you know, there's there's an array of things that consume our day. But we really try to focus on the needs of the, the teachers and what is that critical need at the time that will serve our building and our teachers the most. Yeah. Thank you, Deb. What about you, Laura? We've got high school, you know, kind of to elementary. Yeah, I would say our worlds are very different where her her teachers are very content specific yeah. and are experts in their content. Um, elementary, we get the whole gamut of reading, writing, math. So helping our teachers learn all the different curriculums is really essential part yeah. of elementary world. So we spend a lot of time of making sure that especially our new teachers understand their curriculum and know how to use it well. Mm-hmm. Um, going in and supporting with classroom management, things like that. Um, it's really fun to um, have teachers also identify goals and help them mm-hmm. work towards our goals. So a big part of our role is um, meeting with teachers and identifying goals that they want to work on so they can fine-tune their craft. Um, teaching is such an art, and it's a – I mean, there's lots of challenges. And so everybody has their own areas they want to work on and get better, and so it's fun to be a part of that process. Yeah, that's great. So you both mentioned, like, working with, like, maybe a new teacher and maybe someone who has – maybe 30 years of experience, how is that, how, what are some things that are the same between, you know, helping a teacher and what might be different in those two kind of examples that I've given? I uh, think that just technology, yeah, you know, and how technology has an important place in the classroom. Um, 
being able to navigate and, and know that technology, but also how to engage students with that technology and use it in a practical way without it taking over mm -hmm. all of instruction, I think is a, is a hard balance. And uh, with our more veteran teachers, there's a, there's a lot of technology and sometimes it can be overwhelming, yeah. you know, whereas our newer teachers it's easy. It's their yeah. life. It's it's everything that they know. Yeah. Um, but the instructional delivery and the art that mm -hmm. of teaching that Laura mentioned um, is something that they're working on. So we, you know, we blend a lot of our um, instructional coaching with with both beginning and veteran teachers, depending on again their need and and their you know just their level of of skill and being able to do that. Um, maybe another thing to add to that would be um, as new things come out in education and new terminology mm. or new things, keeping um, more experienced teachers abreast of what's yeah. happening and what's new. Um, whereas the new teachers learned about that in college. So trying to make sure yeah. that, you know, we're keeping yeah. those, um, keeping us all on the same page. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for us to be um, aware and know what's, you know, what's new and the latest um, educational research so that we can make sure that we're doing the best that we can. Yeah, that's a great example. Can I throw, yeah, I, yeah I want to add a little in. bit too, because um, even our veteran teachers, for example, this year, our middle school and high school language arts teachers, they have a brand new curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so even our veteran teachers who have been teaching language arts for a long time, they go through a learning curve and yeah. you feel you feel incompetent. You feel like a mm -hmm. brand new teacher all over again mm -hmm. because you're, you're using new materials and resources. So that's, again, where our instructional coaches can help to fill that gap uh, to bridge that the learning for our teachers mm -hmm. because uh, our instructional coaches devote some of their time to helping um, with the instructional practice with that yeah. new curriculum. And then also in the area of like our, our um, professional learning communities because you get teachers in, in the same department or same grade level that are of varying degrees of experience yeah. and so our instructional coaches help with that uh, process of collaborating together mm -hmm. so there's some magic teachers, in that there isn't is. there that experienced teacher with that new teacher yes it's like nothing can stop them from the right. creative but coaches come in and support that role yeah. quite a bit and that's really you know that's a fun opportunity for both the coaches and the teachers yeah. to have that experience together yeah, that's fabulous. So thinking of what Kevin said about the administrator will often, or the administrative team leadership will often set some goals um, along with the teachers of like areas that we need to improve or we need to focus on to get better at um, as a whole group. What are some of those um, topics that you've supported maybe this year, like some areas to get better at and maybe some areas in the past? Just trying to give people a sense of some examples of from the professional development side, that kind of maybe the whole school side of your job. And then we'll get into maybe some more specifics of individuals. I think um, as building principals this last summer, um, elementary principals met and decided that um, common formative assessments, so focusing on the assessments, um, and how to use them effectively to um, maximize student learning. Mm -hmm. So as um, principals and coaches, then we met together to get their vision of what they wanted to do for this year. And so coaches have really kind of ran with it and um, worked with principals to make sure that, you know, we're making ground on really using assessments effectively. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, you know, giving all these tests, but, you know, making sure student learning is happening. So that's one area. Um, the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time on math, too, mm -hmm. and working um, yep. with Boise State, closely with Boise State, 
and having them come in and do um, partnering with them to do some professional development as well. So making sure that our teachers are utilizing math strategies effectively and ensuring that our students are growing in math. Those are a couple of examples. Great. Thank you. What about at the secondary level, Deb? Um, I would say that we have really been working on uh, looking at data. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's a tricky thing. Uh, But through our PLC process, uh, which stands for Professional Learning Communities, um, and really it's teaming, and, and that's what's so great about coaching is forming teams and and going through the teaming process so that our content teams, our grade level teams, can come together and really look at what do we want students to know and be able to do. Mm-hmm. How are we going to know? What's that success criteria? Yeah. How are we going to know? What evidence is it that they've learned? And then what are we going to do? What are we going to do if they know it or they don't know it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how does that correspond with the high stakes testing, our ISAT testing, our standardized testing, and how do we move the needle? Um, But how do we do that together? Mm -hmm. Um, How do we we look at it in the CUNA way, I want to call it? And what that means is what's best for the kids at CUNA in our, in our school district, but at CUNA High, we've got so many pathways. We want to yeah. honor that. We want to honor what their future holds for them. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes the data doesn't really tell us the true story. Mm-hmm. So that's why professional learning communities are so great because we have, you know, evidence of learning that we can look at in our PLCs and go, ooh, they got this, they didn't get this, so let's reteach this or let's yeah. do it a different way. Yeah. And I think that process of PLCing has really been profitable and we're we're seeing some great results. Yeah. Um Kevin, would you mind talking a little bit about PLCs like professional learning communities, especially in terms of, you know, a lot with the exception of the high school, you know, our our you know, K through eight, we have early release on Wednesday and we say it's collaboration time um, for our, our parents so they understand, but they don't really know, you know, we say it's our time to work in our professional learning communities. Right. Well, um, Deb seamlessly used the questions that drive <laughs> yes. what we call our PLCs, our professional yeah. learning communities. There's So basically, our, our professional learning community philosophy or framework or approach yeah. uh, is that we work together as teams to ensure that, number one, we we know what we want our students to learn. Mm-hmm. And then question number two that we ask in the, in the PLC process is, uh, how will we know when they've learned it? So yeah. that's our assessment part of it. Yeah. And then it's responding to that, as as yeah. Deb was talking about. Uh, what do we do when kids either know it or they don't? They, they don't know it yet, or if they've already learned it, how do we handle mm-hmm. those two situations? So, it's really just a framework to guide how we look at the data, how we look at our instructional practices, how we adjust and adapt and make changes and improve so that student learning improves. Yeah. And so that's again a, a huge part of what our instructional coaches do to support all teachers mm-hmm. is to help in those processes with their teams. Because, um, again, whether you're a veteran teacher or a new teacher, uh, you know, we bring in new assessments all the time. Yeah. We bring in different ways of looking at things. And so we, we have to learn again or in new mm-hmm. ways how to look at data, how to look at information. And their standards sometimes change, too, and so does our curriculum. So yeah. things are always changing. So, our, again, our instructional coaches can help bridge that and keep that work of the PLCs moving forward or the yeah. professional learning communities. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, you know, you, you, we've all talked about like wanting to continuously improve um, how we taught last year. We want to get better than the next year or taught that subject, improve in that area. And we've talked about things that we do as a whole group. Now, if you think about like individual teacher support, which was kind of my original thinking was like, how do you help those individual teachers improve, meet their goals, or the the brand new teacher who's like, I'm not really even sure where to start sometimes. So how do you prioritize which teachers to support? What does that look like from the individual level? You got 150 probably teachers you're <laughs> supporting, Deb, and you've got what, uh, 40, 50, 50 Laura? Yeah. yeah. I would say when you get an SOS, that's my yeah. first. Um, yeah. So, you know, and that I, that really comes from building that trust and relationship. Yeah. And I'm so thankful the model that our district um, is being in buildings because that has really allowed teachers to come to my office. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes we're closing the doors and we've got tears and Kleenex yeah. and all kinds of things. So, yeah. um, and it's. It's, yes, I do have chocolate. <laughs> they know my little treasures is, yes. is where my chocolate is. Yes. So, um, but it, I think that's, you know, oftentimes teachers mm -hmm. will come and say, hey, I really like help with this. Yeah. And so that becomes a priority for me. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we're checking in on new teachers often yes. and doing what we call coaching cycles. So basically, we're setting up goals with teachers and saying, you know, what would you like to work on? Or I, we can help you identify mm -hmm. a goal if you're not even sure where to start. And then we'd go from there. We, we'll do some observations and talk about, okay, here, well, here's what we're seeing. So from here, let's try some, here's a couple strategies you mm -hmm. can try. And then we implement them. And then as we're starting to see more success, then we can choose another goal mm -hmm. or they can move on and they're, you know, they're happy and on their way. Yeah. So um, that's where, you know, just, I think, again, but going back to prioritizing new teachers, definitely where, mm -hmm. you know, they are on our top of our yeah. list. But yeah. we do have lots of veteran teachers that even just want to fine-tune something yeah. and say, hey, can we just have a couple meetings where you can come in and yeah. check things out and tell me, you know, what little tweaks and changes I can make? Yeah. Thank you. Great example. Deb, would you add to that? Sure. Um, we have uh, just evolved with how we support teachers from when Laura and I started as instructional coach a decade a ago, yeah, um, to where we are now, uh, and so I think for me, it helps me to kind of put them in caseloads. Mm. Maybe is the term I'd like to use. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way we support each of those caseloads always is on individual need. But I think my biggest um, concern and where I've put a lot of work is with our alternate route teachers, mm -hmm. um, who I just absolutely love working with. Um, they bring a lot of uh, industry knowledge yeah. and a lot of great um, experience um, in in their in their field of industry. Uh, we have several CTE teachers, our career and technical education program, that have um, have been hired recently um, to fill some of those positions in our CTE program, and so they have a lot of experience in their in their content. Um, but they have very little experience um, getting in front of students and teaching. And so that's a whole different level of support. And so we've um, 
as an instructional coaching team and um, with our help of our admin and our and our curriculum um, individuals in the district, we put together a boot camp that was really beneficial to really just equip those teachers with some instructional delivery, what the PLC model is, and those four questions that teachers grapple with every day. Um, and then we have new teachers, you know, many new teachers new to the ind- uh, new to the profession um, who have some experience or at least student teaching experience. And um, we find, or at least I find that Classroom management is probably um, the biggest area of support there um, because students come with um, a lot of varying level needs of support as well. Um, and some of it's behavior and some of it's learning. And so we work with them on on all of those best practices. Um, so that's how I, I, case, I put my caseloads together. And then we don't just stop there. Um, I go next to my fab five, if they're within their five years, <laughs> first five years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very new. Yeah, It's still very new to them. Yeah. And just continuing to equip them for what's next that they want in their toolbox um, to be the teacher they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. you. You've all mentioned trust and a relationship with with the people that you're serving, the teachers that you're serving. Um, you've also mentioned um, the the role of the principal. How do you, and I might start with you, Kevin, what, what are some things that you recommend or some practices that our teacher or our coaches have in place to keep that trust with the teachers? And why is it different than with an administrator? Do you know what yeah. I'm asking? Yeah, that, okay. that's a great question. And, and it's great that Laura's here with me because yeah, she can contradict anything I say. Here, <laughs> but, uh, um, I think it's really important, especially because of the trust issue, that teachers yeah. understand that while while Laura and I, when she was I was a principal, she was an instructional coach, while we communicated closely together, um, specific details of the things that Laura worked on with, yeah. her, with the teachers she was working with, she didn't share that with me. Right. Um, and that's that's by design, because mm-hmm. as a principal, I'm the evaluator right. of the teacher. And, you know, if you're struggling with something, you don't want to go to your boss and tell your boss that you're struggling yeah. with something. Um, so it gives teachers that opportunity to go to a safe person who can mentor them. So they would do a lot of the same things I would do in yeah. an evaluation, yeah. but it's not for an evaluation. Right. And so, <clears throat> you know, Laura or Deb could observe that teacher. They could... Uh, set goals like they've talked about, give them feedback, practice on mm-hmm. things. And all of that is solely to improve their practice yeah. and to improve student learning. Uh, versus when me as a principal comes in to observe, I, I mean, of course, I want to improve practice sure, as well. Sure. But, but my primary role in, is to evaluate yeah. and to uh, you know determine performance levels. Yeah. Um, so oftentimes when Laura and I would meet, I, I would try to be careful. And ask, the questions I would ask would be, hey, what are what are the concerns you're seeing in the building? What are mm-hmm. the things that we need to focus on? And Laura would be great at filtering out um, information for me that would guide, yeah. that would allow me to lead. Yeah. We need to going. reinforce this or review Absolutely. this topic. And yeah. there may be, even be a time when I'm concerned about a specific teacher or a grade level. Yeah. But I would simply ask, hey, what can we do to support Yes. This grade level or this teacher, I yeah. wouldn't say, "Hey, what's this teacher doing?" That's yeah, you know, that kind right, of thing. right. Um, and if if I ever did, you know, Laura would say, 
well, remember my role as instructional coach. Yeah. And she would, you know, be able to remind yep. me. Yep. Um, so I, it's really important. And as an administrator, I would always point that out too. Um, you know, at Reed the last few years, oftentimes we would talk about some instructional practice we were trying to improve. And I would let them know that I'd be coming through to observe yeah. and give them feedback. The month before, we would set it up so that, they, that Laura would be available yeah. to them. The instructional coach could come work with them, and that could be just for mentoring Perfect. and improvement. Yes. Um, but then we always made sure, like Laura and I never went into a classroom together mm -hmm. to observe a teacher. We always kept that separate because our roles were very separate. Um, but we would advertise that. And I would make sure as the principal that I would say, you know, Laura's available for you, and she's mm -hmm. there to mentor. I would make that very clear that that yeah. was her role, and my role was different. So I think a principal can do a really... Um, can be very valuable if a principal sets up what those expectations yeah. are and draws that line so that teachers are more comfortable. And then coaches are really good about being very kind and saying, well, remember, Kevin, my role is... <laughs> <laughs> Back up, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> what, what would you to add, Deb or Laura, about that trust piece? Um, and Kevin did a very good job, Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Um, I think the principal really setting that up and reminding teachers that we don't talk and that um, letting teachers know, I think my biggest thing is just that I'm a voice for them and mm -hmm. I, I take their voice um, in a very confidential way to the principal or to our other instructional coaches so that we can we can help support them no matter what. So if I've got some, a teacher that needs something that I don't, you know, I don't have the knowledge or expertise, but I know um, Deb does or another elementary coach does, we reach out and utilize yeah. each other often so that we can really make sure that every teacher has what they need. Um, but also just that we are that liaison and that voice for teachers. I think that's really important that, um, you know, our, our feet are on the ground and we get to hear, you mm -hmm. know, these concerns. And, and I think that helps build trust, too, because yeah. they need their voices need to be heard. Yes. They've got some very valid um you know, concerns with students mm -hmm. or, you know, with cu curriculum or whatever yep. it is. And so I want to make sure that their voice is heard. So great. when That's they when example. they know that I get to do that for them. It's, yeah. Yeah. And that was valuable. Sometimes Laura would tell me things. I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't think of that or I didn't realize yeah. that. And, and if there were things I wanted to share with staff, I would often come to Laura and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking of telling the staff. <laughs> talk me off a cliff or, or yeah, correct yeah. me or how do I soften this or so it would go both ways so she yeah. could help me with my messaging to make sure that it was done in a way that was constructive and yeah. helpful rather than you know hurting our culture or yeah, damaging our, right. our progress now is not the time to do that Kevin let's yes, wait or whatever exactly. yeah 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 Deb, would you have anything to add to that concept of trust? And I would just probably echo the same yeah. thing as, you know, we have a, an amazing role that we're kind of an in-between mm -hmm. entity between our, you know, our administration and our teachers, which is a great place to be. Sometimes we don't, we, we know, we don't know the whole big picture, but yeah. we know enough of it that we can help teachers um, recognize what's going on with administration mm -hmm. um, without divulging any confidentiality. And the opposite is true as mm -hmm. well, you know. Give our admin um, a, a 
you know, a feel for what's happening with our teachers. Um, and so the trust is all over the place. It's yeah. with teachers <laughs> and coaches and coaches and admin. And it's just a beautiful way to really help culture mm-hmm. um, and and know when the high stress yeah. and when, like you said yeah. so well, Wendy, when, when is the right time uh, or what's the right approach um, if we do have to handle something um, so that we can honor everything that's involved. Yeah, yeah. Because we're dealing with professionals, people who have high levels of training and skill and investment. And so honoring that yeah. a- along the process is really important. I like that you said that, Deb. Thank you. So you, you've touched on this a little bit, like in like dealing with technology. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest changes that I observe you know, back when I was teaching 100 years ago, it seems, you know, when we had actual books. I mean, we still have those, but, you know, we're in a in a different age with digital technology being pretty much a part of everything that we do with kids. Um, how do instructional coaches help teachers integrate that technology? So it's not only here's the you know, core reading program, like I'm thinking of elementary right now, but here's all the digital tools that go along with that. And mom and dad can have access to that too, which wasn't always the case because, you know, unless the book went home with the kid, right? That's a big topic. We could probably do a whole podcast just on that. What I would uh, love to say is that our new teachers, um, like Deb mentioned earlier, they can jump on and latch onto that very quickly. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of tools for them to learn, but they um, they adapt and change to mm-hmm. that quickly. And I would say that oftentimes, um, you know, as teachers are new to our to our district, we often have mentors. Yeah. And fortunately, a lot of the mentors will help facilitate some of that. Um, as coaches, and I could come around and support even more, or yeah. you know, help them use something more strategically. Or if it's something that's overwhelming to them, then we can okay, well, let's you know navigate it this way. Yeah. Um, so I think my role is um, just to support mm-hmm. mainly, um, whereas they have mentors and lots of other people that can help them. Because yeah. you know, me being out of the classroom for even eleven years, um, things have changed quite frequently. And so, you know, the smart boards and things like that. I mean, I had a smart board when yeah. I was in a classroom, yeah. fortunately, so I can give them some of that, but all the new devices that we're getting. So thankfully, our technology department, our techs They're and our amazing. buildings have been awesome yeah. in supporting Lucky. that role. And we're really fortunate for that. Um, and then mentors yeah. a lot of times too. So it takes a village yeah. would be my answer. <laughs> Great answer. I would also probably add on that out of necessity, uh, instructional coaches really also need to know how to navigate and and know, uh, like, we use Schoology for our courses at the high school. And, and uh, when our mentors are teaching, uh, we are then, you know, we are the go-to to be able to help new teachers navigate through Schoology, not only setting up their grade books, setting up their courses, um, and then same with PowerSchool, which is our student information system where our, our grades are housed and many other things are, are housed there as well. Um, and just being able to take them through some intricacies of both programs. Um, and 
thankfully we've been able to to learn them and and be able to support them through um, which is it sometimes it's hard to navigate when you have lots of different technology going on but it's vital for the work that we do um, sometimes it takes away from being able to actually get into classrooms mm -hmm. but it does support teachers where they need to be supported because it just doesn't make sense for teachers to have to spend a lot of time on tech technological things that don't help them in the classroom. Yeah. So if we can come alongside and take that part away from, off at least off their plate, I am happy to do it. And so that's just that's just a, the way that we help navigate teachers through that as we as we have new uh, technology advances all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's one of the things, especially this year in my new role. Um, I've been very impressed with all of our instructional coaches mm -hmm. because they often offer, well, I don't know how to do that, but let me take that off your plate. I'll go do the research. I'll, yeah. I'll play with it. I'll figure it out. I'll work with tech support to figure it yeah. out. Um, but the amount of technology yeah. support that's needed is, is a, a lot more than I realized. Yeah. Um, and our, our coaches, um, you know, they work alongside our techs because the techs don't have that classroom right, right. perspective. They have the behind-the-scenes technology perspective, so that combination of our coaches who bring the classroom expertise and the techs who have the workings of the technology mm -hmm. together, they can figure out the solutions, and then we take it back to our teachers so that our teachers can focus on their teaching. So even though sometimes it does remove our coaches from having as much time in the classroom doing coaching cycles and that, it still saves teachers time, yeah. and they're able to focus on the teaching while our coaches figure out the behind-the-scenes yeah. part of it and bring it back to them. Great. That's a great example. I appreciate that. So we talked about some myths inadvertently, right, without identifying them as myths. One being Kevin's sharing that the coach's job is to go tattle on teachers to the principal, and that's one of the myths you said, no, that there's a very clear, I would say, wall there between that confidential um sharing of information to the principal. What are some other myths you think that people might have about your role or that you've maybe had questions about? I don't know if it's a myth as much as um, what do instructional coaches really do? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and That's I, the podcast topic, yes, right? Yes, <laughs> what do they really do? And... Um, and you know we it was we were hard pressed maybe talk about what a typical day is mm -hmm. because um, it it really does differ depending on the day um, and I think Laura and I will both attest to the growth and the evolution of our own journey in this position um, but I feel like and I and Laura can answer this too but I feel like I have grown my practice to where. Um, I can I, I can start seeing the needle move as far as teachers' professional practice mm -hmm. um, with their instructional practices um, and their engagement in the classroom, their use of technology, and and all of the things that come together to to really move learning forward. Um, and so, you know, with with the myths, it's. It's not that we go in and, and we teach for a, a teacher. It's we go in side by side, mm -hmm. and we are the eyes and the ears, the data collector, the support, 
um, to really help them with whatever objective or goal or really what, what are the students learning that day and what is the evidence? Well, how can I collect mm -hmm. that for you? How can I, you know, how can I share the feedback to you? And, and then how can we design next steps and how can mm -hmm. I come alongside you and help you as a thinking partner? So we are really glorified thinking partners. <laughs> I think that is... If we're going to um, bust any myths, yeah. I think that's really who we are. And um, it has been, a, 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 again, just an honor to, to be in teachers' classrooms mm -hmm. and to be a thinking partner, in, in especially in our culture of education today, because mm -hmm. we all need an extra thinking partner. Yeah. It really makes our lives a little bit better every day. Yeah, absolutely. We're more effective. Oh, so much yeah. more. I would just add, we're... We're an extra group of learners that we get to learn alongside the teachers. As I, as I get to be in classrooms often, I get to learn so much from what other teachers mm -hmm. are doing. And so I get to share that. So part of yeah. the value of me getting into classrooms often is being able to share, oh, in this classroom, you know, in, in a classroom I saw, you know, this strategy, this might work well yeah. for you. You guys should connect. Yes. Yeah, exactly. you need to come and see this happen. Exactly. Yeah. So that's really fun. Um, and I think spending, spending the day... Um, with my colleagues of, of instructional coaches, I can't tell you how much I've learned mm. from them because we all have our different areas of expertise. And so being able to reach out to one another, but also having our own PLC time mm -hmm. has been invaluable for us to talk through things, learn from each other, create <coughs> professional development sessions together. Um, my knowledge has just grown astronomically because of that. Um I think, I think I would add to, you know, a typical day just to kind of, I know sometimes, you know, teachers or people will see us, well, she's just sitting in her office, you know, you know, part of the day today, I wonder what she's doing. And I think um, them understanding, replying to some of those SOS emails mm -hmm. that we, you know, we talked about, um, putting some professional development together. I didn't realize until I got this job how much time that takes mm -hmm. and how much reflection and refining how much research that yeah. involves. And so that really, um, to develop my own learning, to be confident enough in presenting something takes a lot of time. Yeah. And I want to make sure that when I'm in front of teachers, I'm doing something that will will um, not waste their time. Right. Really to, you know, grow and thinking about where they are and what they've already learned as well. Um, so I think that takes a lot of our time as well. Just really maximizing that. Yeah. Um, one of the, the myths I hear, you know, I, I, I get to work with so many fabulous people in the district, and one of the myths I hear is if we didn't have instructional coaches, we would have lower class sizes because you all would be teaching. Um, and could somebody kind of describe that? I mean, I can describe it from the funding side of things. Um, you know, we have historically paid for instructional coaching which what I would call soft funds, right? Grants, um, federal dollars that have to be used for specific things um, like in instructional improvement. Um, we have some unfunded mandates from the state. We're supposed to, to um, support every new teacher within the first three years of the profession, but there's no funds necessarily from the state in order to do that. So, um, Kevin, I might look to you. Could you talk a little bit about that myth of these folks would be better served in, and when I say these folks, instructional coaches would be better served if they were teaching as opposed to um, supporting teachers? 
to lower class sizes. Right. I, I think if you've listened to the conversations that we've been having, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things, a lot of work that our coaches do that has to be done regardless yeah. of who does it. Yeah. So as a district, we've prioritized, we've found funding yeah. um, that doesn't impact the class size right. in order to have instructional coaching available in our district. So a lot of the work... Uh, well, I think all of the work that our instructional coaches do, if we didn't have it, I don't know where that work would be done. Yeah. Um, On the backs of teachers, potentially. Exactly. Yeah. Even like the tech support that we talked about. Yeah. I, I don't know who would have the time to go find those solutions and then bring it back to our teachers. Our teachers would have to do that, which would mean yeah. they'd have less time to prepare lessons or look at assessment data or help students. They would have to do that. So uh, I guess to me, it all comes down to priorities and uh my priority as an administrator has always been to make the job as doable as possible yeah. for our teachers. And I yeah. feel like that's a huge value that we get from our instructional coach, coaching philosophy in this mm-hmm. district is, you know, and not every teacher takes advantage of it. I'd be the right. first one to admit that. Right. Um, but that's a choice they have. But yeah. they all benefit from it. Every teacher benefits from having instructional coaches because of the work they do mm-hmm. to help them in their training, to help provide answers for mm-hmm. things that... Um, aren't easy to do in technology in other areas. So everyone benefits from it, whether they choose to engage one-on-one with a coach Mm -hmm. or not. So that work needs to be done by somebody. And we're fortunate to have that here in CUNA and great people to do that work. Yeah, And, And I might even add, We've had people from other school districts come and say, how'd you do this? And we want to adopt what you're doing in CUNA, which is a compliment to the people in this room and the people that aren't in this room, you know, that are a part of that team, the, the principals, the teachers, and the instructional coaches that have made it what it needed to be um, to support our teachers and ultimately support kids. You know, one of the roles you might provide teachers is how they might get ready for parent-teacher conferences or maybe handle a parent who's upset or concerned about their student um, and then have you, like, what does that look like? I like the way you said um, um, teachers or parents may not always see you, but they're going to see your support and help through their teachers. Well, and, you know, just regular parent communication, um, positive as well as any concerns, you know, and I, th- I think we have a, I think we have a, a system built early on in our training of what does that look like and what resources do we have to really get that communication out so that our teachers are regular, regularly communicating yeah. with our parents. Yeah, so if parents don't necessarily see the instructional coach at like a parent-teacher conference, I know you're there, but they're seeing your work maybe in the answers or the response if they have a concern, um, strategies that they, that a teacher might share with a parent about you know their own child. They're going to see it just not knowing it's maybe your support and help with that teacher. Um, they may also not see it, and they may not also see it, but what happens is if a teacher is struggling, and we all struggle at certain times, especially when we're learning new information, we're not experts at it. Um, when a teacher starts to improve, it's often because of the relationship that you've had with that instructional coach. And obviously the hard work that that 
teacher has put into getting better, right? And the principal has put into helping that person get better. So um, that village idea, we talk about a village to raise children, but it's also a village to help us continue to get better at our art and science of teaching. So I, I know all of you were amazing teachers. Uh, when you were in a classroom working with children and then you stepped out and that's hard. Wasn't it hard? It's like you you miss those deep relationships with children and their parents and some of those like long-standing connections that you have. And now you're moving more from like maybe an educator of children to a partner in learning with adults. What have been the best thing about your role? We know teaching is amazing, but what's what's the best thing about being an instructional leader, instructional coach? I think... Um that though now my teachers are my students. So I had a teacher come to me yesterday. Mm. I did a professional development like last week and the teacher came and said, I tried the strategy that you said and it worked so great. I was able to meet with all my students and blah, blah, blah. So I think um, that was always my favorite part as a teacher is mm -hmm. seeing the light in a student's eye of like catching on to something yeah. new. So being able to still see that and maybe in my colleagues instead mm -hmm. um, is, is really rewarding. Yeah, I just... Echoing what you said, Laura, just being able to partner uh, with the teachers that I get to support and see the complexities of mm. their jobs mm -hmm. um, and being able to just work alongside of them in figuring out, hey, if plan A didn't work, let's go to plan B. Mm -hmm. Let's go to plan C. Um I think we do that a lot. Um, we, we rely on each other a lot, but it's just wonderful for them and for me to know that we have each other and that it's going to benefit students. Mm -hmm. Kevin, what's the best thing about working with these amazing instructional coaches? Well, it's been fun. Uh, you know, Laura talked about not realizing how long it would take to do professional development. Well, this year I've had a chance to sit down with them as they're planning, and wow, I've had that same... Uh, new understanding that it, it takes a lot of time to do mm -hmm. it well, you know, and, and our coaches care. They want, they want the teachers to come out of whatever mm -hmm. training they're in feeling like that was worth my time. Yeah. And if they walk away, not feeling, I feeling like it was a waste of their time, then that's not successful yeah. for our coaches. Right. either. So um, the amount of time and effort I knew our, our instructional coaches all bring different experiences mm -hmm. and, and background and understanding, but they're all experts. They're all, mm -hmm. Dedicated professionals, they work really hard. They put in a lot of time and effort, um, not only to their practice, but to learning new information and new things mm -hmm. and to developing relationships. So they do a little bit of everything. And it's been fun to be a problem solver with mm -hmm. them as we try to, because some things are pretty simple and straightforward and other things are pretty complex yeah. and yeah. we don't know the answers. And so we just have to put our minds together, mm -hmm. come up with the best possible solution and work it and see yeah. how it goes and then adjust, just like our PLC process we yeah. talked about earlier. And So that that part I really enjoy, being that problem solver and seeing the growth of individuals um, and even our failures, when there's failures. Okay, well, what are we going to do differently now? Mm -hmm. How are we going to do something different? Let's, let's not give up. Let's figure out a way to do it. So it's just really fun to problem solve with each other and see the growth, and ultimately, obviously, that leads to good learning for our right, students. Right, right. Which, which is, is what why we're all we're, here for. Yeah, That's we're all, all here for that. that. Yeah. So what's a question I should have asked that maybe I haven't? Or what, what would be a final comment you'd want to leave our listeners with about your role? 
hopefully this podcast has helped some people that weren't really sure what instructional coaches do or, or what their role is uh, or how valuable they are. Um, I know as a principal, I always would tell people all the time, my instructional coach and my teachers, they make me look good. Mm-hmm. And if things don't go well, it's my fault. Yeah, um, right. I take the blame, but yes. I give the credit. Yeah. But I, I, anyone that still has questions about it, I would just say, come talk to an instructional coach. Yeah. Watch them for a while. Because even if you don't see them in every classroom every day, that kind of a thing, they're not sitting at their desk you know, checking Facebook or anything. Right. They're, they're working. There's, there's a lot of yeah. things they do. And the work that they do both in the classroom and outside the classroom improves our instruction and saves time for our teachers to be able to do more instruction or better instruction. So um, I think just ask if you have questions about what instructional coaching is about mm-hmm. and uh, observe for a little bit. And you'll be amazed. Just as I'm amazed as I watch teachers. And, yeah. And uh, there's great people working hard in this district. We are lucky to work with some very fabulous people here. Deb or Laura, would you have anything else you would want to say? I would just say that uh, we wear multiple hats. Yeah. And I think um, part of uh, the work that we do is it, it may not be a need in the classroom that a teacher can come to us with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a personal need. Um, we've mm-hmm. developed relationships in all of our buildings based on our system so that I think every teacher in this district knows there's a person they can they can come to mm-hmm. with confidence and know that they can walk out of any one of our offices feeling filled and equipped mm-hmm. um, and and can it can move on with whatever it is. And I don't know that it's that way in other places, but I know it is in CUNA mm-hmm. and I I I just I'm grateful that teachers know that, and I hope that our newer teachers new to the district mm-hmm. um, are feeling that even you know now that we're in December that there's always a place for them, no matter what the reason. Yeah, thank you, Deb. I would say the key to any successful system is partnerships, right? And mm-hmm. I think CUNA has done a good job of developing partnerships with among teachers and their PLCs or professional learning communities, um, teachers and instructional coaches, coaches and principals, principals and, and the district office. I think because we have such strong partnerships, we're really able to collaborate well and share ideas well. And I love being a part of that process mm-hmm. um, and being a voice kind of in the middle where I can share things on both sides, like Deb had mentioned earlier. I think that's really, really important. So we all know that we're, you know, if, you know, rumors start to fly, mm-hmm. like your rumor mill and things like that, that we can really address that from one side to the other and, and address like, nope, we're on the same page that, you know, totally false. Here's where it got kind of off or whatever. So I love being a part of this successful partnerships where we can really grow students. As we wrap up today's episode, it is clear that instructional coaches play a pivotal role in fostering a culture of continuous improvement within our schools, and continuous improvement is one of our um, key values in this district. A big thank you to Kevin, to Laura and Deb for sharing your insights and expertise. I'm so lucky to get to work with each of you, Um, and for a long time, I've been able to be 
be blessed by your excellent skills um, and expertise. Thank you. Um, thank you to our listeners for joining us for this conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future um, for future episodes, please feel free to reach out. Thank you to our podcast producers, the amazing Allison Westfall and Troy Stevens. Woohoo! Until next time, stay curious, stay connected, and remember together we can. Thank you.